Okay. Okay, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Ricans? Uh, what the fuck, Nicks? How about you, what the fuckaholics? Because I am Mark Marin, and I am 13 years sober today. Today. Is that, I can't even believe it. Can, I, can you believe it? Maybe you can. I don't know. But 13 years, no booze, no drugs. I, I can't say that it's been the smoothest ride. Uh, there were a couple of times back in the day when things were out of control where I might have been having a better time, but not many. A lot of things have changed over 13 years, uh, and I, I'm just uh, happy as hell, grateful, and uh, amazed that I have been sober that long. I just wanted to share that with you, and uh, for those of you who are struggling with that stuff, it can be done, because damn it, if I can do it, you can do it. It can be done. Just don't think of it in the long haul. Don't never say never. Just say today. Dig that, huh? A little a little spiritual message. Not even. A little practical information for you. Really, all you have is this moment. Am I right? And that one's gone. All right, enough of that. But uh but thank you for your support. On all levels. That being said, uh today on the show, Brett Gelman is here, and that that guy is hilarious. That guy is one of the greatest comedic comedy actors that we have right now you might not even know him but i bet you if you google him you'll be like oh yeah that guy he's been in movies been on curb your enthusiasm he was on uh, eagle heart on adult swim there with uh with the uh, chris elliott fella uh he was in i did i say the other guys because he had a good scene in that brett gelman hilarious can i get a little business out of the way and then i'm going to tell you a story this saturday I will be at Wise Guys in Utah for two shows. I always have a good time in Utah. There's some uh, people are very happy to see me there. It, there's a relief to it. <laughs> you know, they, sometimes I think SLC is a little uh, tough to to get through, and uh, I'm excited to go there. And then after that, on August 17th and 18th, did something just happen to the 18th coming out of my mouth? My my brain seems to be squishing words. Like, I can feel them coming out of my mouth as whole words, and then they get squished. I think I'm okay. August 17th and 18th, I will be in Victoria, Esquimalt. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Esquimalt. I hope it's right. Uh, Victoria uh, for the Blue Ridge Comedy Festival. You can go to my site, by the way, WTFPod.com, for all that information. Uh, let's get into this story, because it did have an effect on me. I was just in Chicago. I didn't talk to you about Chicago. But uh, I've grown to really like Chicago because it's a real deal place. It's a city with its own integrity, its own history. Uh, there, it, there's beautiful neighborhoods. There's beautiful architects. Every, it, Chicago's got everything. Good people. And I, quite honestly, all the people that came out to the main stage in Chicago, I want to thank that venue. I want to thank you. I, I honestly believe those are some of the best shows I've ever done in my life. Something magic happened in this place over last weekend. I, I mean, I can't explain it to you. It was, it's a great venue, the main stage. It's really the, one of the best venues I've ever played. And I would play there. I, I wish I could move the main stage theater from Chicago around on a trailer and travel with it. Great place. Because it has the illusion of being a huge theater, but it's this intimate place. But some of the shows there, I did things I have never done before. And I was at a comfort level and, and an open-heartedness that I've never experienced before. So I just want to say, 
that, that those of you who saw some of those shows at the main stage saw something that was completely new to me, and uh, I was thrilled that you saw it. Now, maybe by virtue of the fact that I was coming up on 13 years sober, maybe by virtue of the fact that I'd just gotten too comfortable or too open, something went down, man. Something happened, and it, it was not pizza-related. It was uh, it was psychically related. I really am wary to, to go into this, but I'm gonna. Here's what happened. I was booked on a show. I, bu- I thought it was a radio show. It's a podcast, very popular podcast, the Paper Machete Show. I think the guy's name is Chris. Somehow they reached out to me, and I just knew I had a gig. I didn't know what the show was, had not listened to it. Didn't know it was uh, as popular as it is. Didn't know it was a thing. Uh, but they were taping a live show. It's a variety show, weekly variety show with um, sketch elements, improv elements, uh, writing, uh, all kinds of stuff. It's definitely a thing. And they were recording it at the Green Mill Cocktail Lounge, which I I, I heard had a history. I mean, the, the thing that you hear in Chicago is like, oh, the Green Mill, that, that was Capone's place. Okay, well, that sounds interesting. Capone owned 25% of it through his henchmen, one of these guys. I, I don't know the guy's name offhand. This isn't a history lesson. This is the bedrock of my mystical adventure that he owned. Uh, he, he got into it for about 25% through this henchman because basically what they were trying to do was muscle the comedian and singer Joe E. Lewis uh, into performing there exclusively. And that's why he took a stake in this, was uh, to, to, to bully this guy into playing. And, and Joe E. Lewis was a popular comic entertainer at the time. And you might know him from movies if you're a movie buff. Well, what happened was, apparently Joe E. Lewis balked at this, and Capone's guy, uh, who now was 25% owner of the Green Mill, uh, cut his throat. And Joe E. Lewis you know, held on to his throat somehow, did not die. They bashed his head in, cut his throat, he made it to the hospital, he survived, and went on to perform in movies and on stage. Of course, his voice was never the same, and his brain was never the same, but he... He transcended that shit. Now, that's some pretty dark karma for a place to hold. And obviously, in my mind, uh, if I'm looking at it metaphorically, not a friendly venue to comedians, you know, on a on a on a mystical level. And and also these kind of places that have dark histories that they don't really, uh, you know, redecorate. Yeah, there's definitely ghosts in the room. And I heard someone told me there were tunnels underneath it going to a couple other places for for gangster getaways. When there's a vibe in a place, when there's a spirit to a place, when there may be ghosts in the wood of the bar at the place, I tend to think that I can feel them. I mean, I, I work at the comedy store and no one's going to tell me that place isn't just polluted with uh, poltergeists and apparitions of sorts angry spirits so i go to this place it's three in the afternoon and the place is packed okay kind of an npr slash hipster group but a giant nerd cluster i'll call it in in a in a loving way and i was uh, i was surprised because I, I didn't realize it would be that big a deal but then i found out this is a very you know grounded show and popular show and i get to the green mill and i feel the vibe and, and there's right away you know, after doing a little research on it and walking into the place, I realized that there, there, there is no nerd cluster big enough that is going to battle the spirits of that place. So I walked in there in full mystical warfare mode, which I don't get into that much. I was a little defensive because I didn't realize the situation was going to be as big as it was. I was a little frustrated because it was the middle of the day and I don't love doing comedy in the middle of the day. And also there was that part of me that's like, dude, you've been having great shows. You're going to have to take a hit. That was the guy inside of me that, that regulates my humility. There's a little guy inside of me that regulates my humility. You're doing great. You're going to have to feel shitty about one of them. He was, he was also present. 
So I walk into the place. I take a seat in a booth that's a you know a comfortable position. I just sit next to these uh, these two comics who I'm talking to, and then this woman appears out of uh, she w- she had been buzzing around the place. I didn't really notice her until she got into my face. This weird kind of rail thin woman that was wearing a sundress that was hanging off her like it would have hung off a hanger. She had stringy, weird, oily hair. I'm not going to use the word weird anymore. She was gaunt. She had glasses and she was exuding an energy of somebody who had decided that she was running the venue. And it was my feeling at that moment that she wasn't really running the venue. Look, I've been involved with uh, communities before and there's always sort of marginalized people that find their way into communities, especially weekly shows or performances where they become tolerated because they become regulars. And hey, they're kooky, but we've taken her in. That was how I projected a personality on her, that she was a control freak who thought that she was important to whatever was going on there and she had been indulged to think that uh, she was god this is you know like i'm talking i feel anger coming at me coming out of me because i have i've not felt this I, i've not felt this kind of anger in a while so because i've been sort of wide open man i've been trying to be open-minded open-hearted and uh you know and my boundaries are not great to begin with so i sit down at this table and this woman with this intensity this this horrible intrusive intensity boundaryless just gets right into my face right when i sit down like literally a foot away and goes i'm reserved this table is my table i'm reserving this table and i'm like no problem i'll just move when you want to sit down and then she says but i have other people there might be other people that want to sit at this table that that i reserve for them and i'm like all right okay i get it i will move when you need the table i'm just i'm just trying to get comfortable here i'm just trying to sit down for a minute and she goes and storms off now she didn't know who i was and then i saw her talking to the guy that booked the show and he told her who i was and i could just tell by her body language and uh, and also because i overheard him her say oh oh so he's the big star and it was just this energy where you know whatever was going on in the room had no it made no difference to her the show made no difference to her because this was her day this was her show she got under my skin and I could just feel it. Like I felt, I felt the anger. I felt like there was a war at stake and I was fighting some sort of aggressive, broken, boundaryless spirit in this place that was polluted to begin with, with all kinds of dark energy. So this is what was going through my head. I, I, I stopped thinking about her. I talked to the, the comedians. I talked to the guy running the show. I find out when I'm going to go on, what not. And then uh, as I'm waiting... She comes over she, with two women who were friends of hers. She's like, this is their table. This is who I was saving it for. I'm like, fine, fine. All right, man. And I move over to the other side of these comics. And it, the whole thing was weird. Even they felt it. And I was cool. I was just trying to get focused. I didn't know what I was going to do up there. And, you know, the show had started. And then I'm about to go on. Or it was a few minutes before because I think her name's Katie Rich. She's a popular uh, improviser out there. And she did a, a great thing. She does a weekly thing on this show. And it's very funny. Killed. And I'm, you know, I'm after her and I'm getting ready to go on. I finally got it in my head what I'm going to do. And that woman, this, this freak, you know, right after Katie Rich gets off, this, this woman gets right up next to me. I didn't even see her coming. I just, all of a sudden her face is next to my head and, and I turn and she goes, you think he can follow that? And it was like, it was just such a clear attempt at a mind fuck 
before I went on stage that I turned to her and I said, who are you, fucking Satan? And she goes, yes, I am, and huffed off. And it, it not just delivered the goods. She got in, she psychically violated me with her horrendous broken energy, and now I was mad. And now I'm getting up to get on stage and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm about to get on stage. They're about to introduce me. And I'm just you know focusing on what I need to do. And then all of a sudden, I just felt her energy huffing back down the bar, passing you know, hundreds of people in this place. And I feel her come right up next to me and she starts to talk. And I don't, I'm not proud of this. I guess I'm apologizing to the universe. But before she even could get anything out of her mouth, I turned and I looked at her. I said, get the fuck away from me. Get the fuck away from me. And then they brought me up and I went on stage and I killed. I did good. I did it for Joey Lewis. I did it to fight all the dark spirits and psychic vampires. All I'm saying here, if there's a moral to this, to this thing or it's any word of advice, is that uh, be careful. If you're walking around too open, you might become a payback portal for what broke a person. I don't know what it was, but all I know is I got dumped in, if you dig what I'm saying. Psychically, I got off stage and I walked right past her, right out into the rain and got the hell out of there. But I thought I'd share that story. Oh, good to be sober. That didn't feel like a sober toned story, though. <laughs> uh, what? Hey. Oh, hey, no. <laughs> Rob Cordry's <laughs> what are you kidding me? No, I don't I <laughs> this is great. This is Are you so kidding weird. me? This is so What the hell are you doing here? I, I was in the neighborhood. Get out of here. Yeah. That's I was, crazy. I was in the neighborhood. I this is a very uh Chinese neighborhood. It is? Yeah. Of, and I love Chinese culture. I had no idea. Oh, take a walk around. Like just down the street? Oh, they're walking. The they're the place is lousy with old Chinese you people. You see Chinese people? Everywhere. That is un I with have... their huge brimmed hats. Oh no. Because they really? hate the sun. Really? Those people hate the sun. You see actual like turn of the century Chinese people. Old are they working on feet. a railroad? Is there, there is a railroad being down built? There? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow, this well, got racist so quickly. Nobody can do it like the Chinese. I know, I know, any of it. <laughs> so, uh, so I thought, you know, Mark lives right up the street. I appreciate you coming by because I clearly don't get out enough. Um, and, and you brought coffee in one of my cups. Yeah, That's, isn't that weird? <laughs> and my stuff was already here. My yeah, phone, so my sunglasses. This is so fucked up. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God, what a weird morning. It was almost as if you were here kind of before. Sucks. So look, I uh, someone told me that you have a show on television again. Oh, I may as well plug it while I'm here, right? I don't know. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, okay. I yeah. mean, while I'm here, you know, I don't like to plug. Like, I like to talk. Sure, you just talk, but, but pretend like you're not plugging. Since I'm here, yeah, uh, uh, it's, it's it's called Children's Hospital. I knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on Adult Swim. Yeah, uh, twelve at night. Thursday night. I don't like to say midnight because people might. Uh, I'm tired. Think it's a. Th oh, it's I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah, twelve at night sounds so oh, much earlier. Yeah, twelve at night. Twelve much at night. Better. That's more like me. Yeah, midnight. Boom, yeah. Time sleeping. So so wait now. Uh, how many did you do? We did uh, fourteen. And uh, who are the exciting uh, people on the shows? Because it's a hilarious show, and I I think I saw coming attractions for it. Is that possible? Yeah. And and they looked funny. Like, it's a uh, really funny blood drive, the blood drive one. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's really funny. But uh, usually, like everyone I know, but me uh, yeah. is is involved in it, and uh, <laughs> I, I know we've called you. I know that. Yeah, I don't know why we called you, but you call me like yeah, that's true. 
I, no, I'm I sure. want to do the next one. We probably always call you a little bit. It's always like it's like Mark too late. Here. Yeah, it's like yeah, exactly. Oh, we're shooting your scene, Mark. Ten minutes from now, <laughs> yeah. what are you doing? We're shooting a scene with you in it. <coughs> exactly. Can you get here? That's the way it happens. Uh, well, that's the way show business happens. I'm sorry, I wasn't <laughs> yeah, available for it's that. It's tough. It, it's tough. We don't. Uh, we don't have a. We have good guest stars this season, but nothing that's like. Not mind blowing because look, look. we're like more into. I mean, there's such a great cast that we mm-hmm. uh, we got. Well, we did this episode that I believe it's seventh in the lineup. It's a all British cast. It's a it's the British version of the American <laughs> of the hit American long running American show Children's Hospital. That's funny. So we've got a lot of people, a lot of ringers in that one. Yeah, um, they're all definitely like departures this season. Like yeah. we we've we've definitely sort of. Uh, there, there's a lot of weird ones. There's a one called Chief's Origins. You find out uh, the the what happened to Megan Mullally to make her so handicapped oh. over the years. So it's like flashbacks to right, her right. life. Uh, there's an episode. The Airborne Amnesia is our first one. Yeah, and uh, everybody gets amnesia. It's an airborne amnesia virus. I become king of the hospital because clowns can't get amnesia. <laughs> of course, I didn't know that. But, no, there. What are, the line is something like uh, they're they're. Uh, clowns can't get amnesia, though we would like to forget Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> yeah. uh, and um, we've got a, mar- a lot of episodes. With a lot, a lot of, of stories. A lot of great ones. A lot that, of good stories. Oh, there's a behind-the-scenes one, you know, because we have a whole sort of... I'm obsessed with mythology, the mythology in of real the life? show. No, no, no. I could care less oh, about mythology yeah. in real life. Yeah. Mostly just like the geeky comic book version of oh, like, yeah. this character used to be this. Sure. We, uh, you know, I play- And then he spilled something on himself. <laughs> yeah, and then <laughs> it sent him into a parallel universe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I play Blake Down. I play mm. Cutter Spindell, who plays Blake Downs on the show Children's Hospital. Right. So we're doing another uh, sort of, we're doing another Newsreaders episode, which is our sort of behind the scenes, uh, a news show called Newsreaders. Okay. Does a report on Children's Hospital. And also, we're, that's a, our new spinoff. We just ended up, but we just finished- just wrapped shooting that show. You did a, there's a spinoff to Children's A spinoff, Hospital. yeah. Did you have any idea that, like, I mean, because I talked to you when you, maybe it was season two of this. It was. Right. So now you really have to go, I don't think you had any intention to build backstory or anything else. You're like, let's just have a good time. And now <laughs> or a Backstory, I was always obsessed with backstory just because it's fun for me. But yeah. no, you're right. Absolutely. Like, I was like, oh, you know what? I should probably r- start writing real stories and, <laughs> and actually develop these characters because we were just nominated for an Emmy. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, this crazy. has become a thing that you just, you're not, I'm not, no longer doing just because. I, was I didn't realize bored. that you got nominated for an Emmy. <laughs> yeah. When are the Emmys? Yeah, the twenty third, September twenty third. Well, that's fucking exciting. It's really exciting. Yeah, I'm pretty giddy In what about category? It. Just comedy? They. This is almost as exciting. Uh, they've they've created a new category called short format live action comedy. I believe, and it's well, in the main Emmys. Was well, that just is that just to accommodate Adult Swim? So are they all Adult know, Swim, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, I think Tenacious D from the nineties. Yeah, uh, their their show on HBO yeah. is nominated. Yeah, no, there's like web series nominated. Really, uh, uh, and yeah, fifteen. Like, there's not a lot, right? But it's great that they're saying like. Oh, this is something viable. This is something we 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 respect. And it seems to is, it seems to still be here. We yeah. better reckon you, with it. You people aren't going away. Yeah, you're making it shorter. <laughs> we got to acknowledge it. Proving that 22 minutes is just too long. Too long for anybody <laughs> to watch anything. We get it. <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad you came by. I think it made yeah. it all worthwhile. But Thanks you can finish your me. coffee. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna be like get out. Let's uh let's let's get to the odd and wonderful Brett Gelman now. It, can we do that? I love this guy. 
People don't value enough the craft of using one's voice. I believe that's true. (laughs) I think you're right. Of course you do. I mean, you and I, we both are very much about what our voice does with the words. I'm with you, Brett Gelman. Yes. (laughs) Right. But you have one of those deep voices. You have, uh, you know, I think I would call you a classic. I'm going to call you a classic Jewish tenor. I probably am, yeah. I am. Jewish bass, baritone tenor, whatever. As if, as if that's really a category. <laughs> Jewish tenor. It probably, I mean, it should be, if Maybe it's not. Maybe in the, in the Yiddish theater. Do you, do you oh, ever I study Yiddish theater, Brett? I, I've not extensively <laughs> studied the Yiddish theater, but a cousin of mine told me that I was a relative of Shalom Aleichem. Really? Aren't we all? I think we are. <laughs> that sounds like in one, one of, way or another. That sounds like one of those things where it's like my grandmother used to live next to Barbara Streisand's <laughs> mother, and like remember, it was like for years, like anyone, any Jew, any middle class Jew had a relative who lived either next to uh, to Barbara Streisand's mother or Barry Manilow's mother. Yeah, <laughs> you come, you come from Chicago Jews, right? Chicago Jews, yeah, pretty powerful. Very, very intense Jews. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, in what way? Because I, you know, I come from Jersey Jews, and I, I have new, Long Island Jews in my family, but I do know some Chicago Jews. Yeah. Well, bo- very, a very vocal people, a very <laughs> emotional people. <laughs> Not unlike your classic urban Jew. Yeah. Uh, the urban Jew, sure. Like, yeah. Should we pull up some pictures of the urban Jew? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, Shalom Alechem was a great writer, right? He or was a, a great performer, I believe. Oh, was yeah, he a performer? A writer, performer type. It, you know, I'm I trying, haven't studied. I, I've. Don't you want to go to the genealogy website? And I trace should. Your, tra- trace yourself back to I'm Shalom. I'm so lazy about that shit. I, I shouldn't be. But you're like. It's a, amazing. You're a musical guy, and, uh, and yeah. I'm a big fan of the, uh, the Cats musical. Which um, thank you, yeah, thank you. And what was that called exactly? It was called One Thousand Cats, right? Of course. And we did some music from it. You, I had you sing a song on the live <laughs> podcast, and I yeah. ended up watching the entire One Thousand Cats. Now, as a comedic performer, what is yeah. it about musicals? I, I mean, did you did, were you a guy who did that? Well, I mean, I guess technically, in a way, the thing that made me want to become a comedian when I was six years old was a musical. It was a night at the opera. And even though they're not really singing that much in it. Marx Brothers. But, yeah. I mean, they're the reason it wasn't the the pretty people that they would. So go, you're, you're a Marx Brothers pro- guy. I'm a huge Marx Brothers guy. Really? Yeah. And that, now, would your grandfather turn you on to that? How'd you come? Uh, I, I mean, because that's like another generation's comedy in a way. And there's not very many people. You're younger than me. Yeah. And I, I watched the Marx Brothers, but I, I didn't lock in with the Marx Brothers. But that was like my father's generation when they were kids. Someone yeah. must have turned you on to it. It was like a godsend before the whole childhood fully went to shit. Really? <laughs> I became this little weirdo. Was but, it on uh, a TV Maybe it's station? the reason I became a weirdo, though. Was it a um, TV station in Chicago? No. Uh, my uncle, I think, told me about it. I mean, I was so young. I think he mentioned them or was doing a line from one of their movies or something like that. And I was like, oh, what's that? What's that? And he's like, oh, that's these guys, the Marx Brothers. They made movies uh-huh. years ago. You should you should look at it. And in those days, we would rent movies from the library. You really? The library. On, the on Betamax library. or movie movies? No, VHS. Right. But like still somewhat sure. in the early days yeah. of VHS. Yeah. And uh, I was born in 76. Wow. So. 
Yeah. Um, I was bar mitzvah in 76. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did an impression of Groucho Marx when I was a young man. You were. You yeah. did. I, but it's weird because I don't remember being a huge Marx Brothers fan, but I was sort of fascinated with Groucho Marx. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I didn't understand the jokes. Really? I was Wait, six there, years old. How deep but... are the Marx Brothers? I mean, I know they work on many levels, and he's very sophisticated, but I mean, still, there's enough physical humor to placate a six-year-old oh yeah the physical humor i loved and then just the the sound of groucho marx's voice right. and how groucho marx looked yeah was i that's probably like the closest i'll ever get to having a religious experience you probably. were a marxist yeah i was i was a marxist it just was it's perfect you look at him i mean he's arguably yeah the greatest comedian of all time i, I think mean, that's in terms true of I, I I want I feel like I want to do more uh, research into Groucho Marx. I've got books like I've got Groucho speaks, and I've got another book, and I had uh, the script to Duck. I had a book called Duck Soup when I was a kid. Yeah, did you have that book? Uh, I, I which was all the it was, movies. Well, yeah, was it was a like yellow the screen, cover, right? Yeah, yeah, I had that. It was yeah. like three Marx Brothers movies. The scripts to them, I think. Or yeah, something. I brought that at Show and Tell, and all the kids were like, "What the fuck is this?" Really? Yeah. And it had that caricature of Groucho on the cover. Yeah, right? all three of them. Right, on right, the cover. right. Yeah, I had that book. That's amazing. Did you have mine? Where's mine? Did you take mine? I don't know. Yeah. I think I don't have mine. I don't have mine. I don't know. I, I have ours. I don't know. I have a lot of books from that era. I mean, I still have books from that era, but I don't have that book. I'm sure Shit. we could get it on eBay or Amazon or something so where did you like what kind of family did you grow up in what was your dad my father uh he salesman really line rep for photographic equipment really so he would basically like he represented canon or nikon and he would go around to the stores he was an amazing salesman willie loman willie loman but more successful <laughs> i uh... <laughs> Good. Yeah, and you not, did all right. not quite as uh, insane. <laughs> good, good. Uh, yeah, no. And uh, to my knowledge, no affairs. Or, right, okay. No, well, maybe there's a wrong no, analogy. Uh, no uh, no dances with exhaust pipe fumes. <laughs> good, good. Right. I See, but, for uh, some reason, Willie Loman, in my mind, like I, I just like I just took the salesman part. I did not, <laughs> in that moment, put it into context of the tragic nature of the, yeah. of the play. I was <laughs> like, oh, he's a salesman, like Willie Loman. No, yeah. that has a lot deeper implications than a guy just selling something. No, more like Russell Simmons. Okay. More like Russell Simmons, that <laughs> yeah. kind of salesman. He dealt with hats. Dealer and dealer, yeah. yeah, yeah a hustler. No, but he uh, he loves making money. That's why in retirement, I think he has a bit of a rough time. People are like, hey, do a hobby. I'm like, he's got to get a hobby. It's like, the guy loves making money. Yeah, my dad's the same way. It's not even about making money. It's about working. Yeah. Period. Exactly. And, you know, like my father went through this period where, you know, he would, he tried to retire once before, and then he would, you know, he got a job at Walmart just to just to have something to do, he actually became a postman for about a week, in, yeah, and realized that uh, whatever, however he had romanticized that was not uh, really the. <laughs> it wasn't like, hey, how you doing? Here's your mail. Right. It's like just horrendous <laughs> trekking and. Yeah. Yeah, so your dad's retired, retired, and just yeah. uh, miserable. He's, uh, you know, he. I wouldn't say he's miserable, but yeah. I feel like he kind of doesn't know what to do with himself at times. Yeah, I call yeah. my father. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, nothing. Yeah. And how's that going? Uh, what am I going to do? I don't know. There's a lot of things you could do. Yeah. No. It's it's unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, the, I mean it's a real it's a real warning sign for us, right? Is it? I think so. Well, it's fortunate that we don't have a a, a, a defined job per se. That, yeah. that like those guys they work to to a certain point, they stash the cash and and then they they said I got enough to uh, you know to stop. Yeah. With us, I mean, I think you know hopefully it won't be that, but we'll be clawing for the next job for <laughs> 
Well, right. Really yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I never know when I'm supposed to stop working. I don't know what, like, I know I'm working, but what what else are you supposed to do? It's just an ongoing thing. But, uh, and with social networking, it never stops, right? Yeah. That's a job, right? Isn't that a job? Oof. Please tell wow. me it's a job. It's uh, it's part of our job, right? It is no? part of a job. It's not, it is part of it's our not, job. It's not a compulsive behavior that we do to feel better. It is that, too. It is that, too, unfortunately. <laughs> it's it's a pretty much the worst invention ever for somebody like us because- <laughs> You mean needy people? It just, yeah, it just it promotes- <laughs> <laughs> it pr- it promotes and justifies our own narcissism. Oh God, and man! Just like oh man. Oh, if there's ever a lonely moment, just tweet that lonely moment. Hashtag help me. I, you could you could you could have a whole a whole branch of of therapy dedicated to trying to balance how much we check our mentions on Twitter. Yeah, I'm I'm a compulsive refresher of mentions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Awful. Yeah, I've gotten better with it yeah. in the last month. I, you know what's happening to me is I actually feel tapped out. Like I'm literally yeah. like I'm like doing half half-hearted tweeting. Like I'm not even engaged in it. It's like I've gotten to the point where I'm just tweeting things like, "Okay." Yeah. I mean, <laughs> do we really need to respond to people? No, do we? We don't. I, I don't do a lot of that. In we way. don't. And I, and I always respond I, to the worst of them. Just people that are horrendous. Oh yeah. Oh, I always just retweet hate. Mm-hmm. Any hateful oh, things said about me? Do you me, find I that that it. is that effectively disarm it? I, I I'm curious about that. I don't even care. It's <laughs> only for me. It's only just to like, <laughs> like let it I, go for me and to. I, I know that people do that. You know, they retweet the hate. Like you know, I'll just turn it back on them. But sometimes I wonder. Is that whenever effective? I well, whenever I start getting into it with people, yeah. It becomes really ugly and strange, and I get you can't scared win, that the dude. person's going to find me and kill me. And- I don't know what uh, the social networking thing is uh, creating in people. I, I do know, I know my my I can I can lose a, a good half a day on Twitter though. You? Oh yeah, I mean I, I was. I've gotten a lot better with. Did it. you go to some support situation or? No, I just you know I well actually I got. Whenever you start working, I feel like whenever I start really working on my craft of what I do. And I make it more about the work of what I do, then that kind of fades you away don't have a little time. bit more. Right, sure, yeah. sure. You know, you know, you're meeting your needs elsewhere. Yeah. So where did you like how many uh, first before I want to get the full uh, Jewish family portrait, yeah. how many siblings? One younger sister, but people constantly think that I am uh, an only child. Why? Because of your behavior? Probably. I'm probably a very needy. <laughs> I'm a very needy person. Not probably. I am one. Is is that an and, is uh, that an only child thing? I thought only children were sort of insulated and hyper imaginative and sort of preoccupied with themselves. Yeah, you, yeah. You have that. Too? I'm very hyper imaginative and in yeah. my own world, just and, inventing things for you to entertain yourself. Yeah, these are my friends that myself. I made up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just like dreaming about the future constantly, sure. and when I was going to get out of the prison of where I was in and yeah. shit like that. What's your sister do? My sister is a speech pathologist. And you speak very well. I do. Yeah. Well, I'm trained. You are? I learned to. Yeah, I, I, I went to a classical training program. You did not? I did. I studied Shakespeare. I studied uh, Chekhov. Really? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Death of a Salesman. voice classes. Death of a Salesman, Arthur Miller, yeah. Where was this? It was at North Carolina School of the Arts. I didn't isn't that where um That's where McDan- McBride, McBride and went? Jody Hill and yeah. David Gordon Green went. They were in film. And were and you I there at the drama. same time? Yeah, we were contemporaries. Really? Yeah. I like your use of that word. Yeah. I had McBride yeah, in here. So really pretentious. <laughs> we were contemporaries at the university. A fucking asshole. You should say at uh, university. Yeah, at university. At uni- <laughs> uh, yeah, Danny's a great, those guys are great guys, right? 
he was a great guy. Yeah. You know, and you you so much want him to be kind of a dick because his character is sort of an endearing dick, but he's just a sweet guy. Yeah. He couldn't be more uh, happy about what's happened for him. Yeah. And it sort of came around the side, really. I mean, he didn't have any real intention of it's being a, an actor. It's so nice when people you like and respect do well. Did you know him then? I did. And I you did. Guys- I, he actually uh, wanted me to be in his senior thesis film, which was like yeah, a superhero movie. He wanted to be movie. a director. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he did a lot of acting, I think, in school. I could be wrong, but I think like, well, the the drama it was just so stupid. The filmmakers and the and the actors, the drama people, were totally. We got totally alienated from them, and the drama school just wanted to own us and and be like, yeah, you'll do film later. Just concentrate on theater. They wouldn't let me do his film because I was in a play, and I was like, well, I feel like I could find the time to do both. But this this school, what is it, North Carolina University? Yeah, uh, School of the Arts. School of the Arts. I yeah. mean, it, it was it's sort of a newish school. I, I got the feeling that was a newer program. Is it a respect? The film pro bro- program was way newer. And, and is it they a res- were like respected thing? I mean, did you did you apply to Juilliard and do the whole thing? Or uh, and I didn't like apply to, to Juilliard. Yale. Uh, and I didn't apply to Yale because, but it's up there with those schools and with NYU grad. It is. And it, yeah, it is. It's and very B, I think BU is pretty good too. Yeah. You know? No, there's a lot of great schools. But the thing about growing up in Illinois is the high, you know, my high school just tried to get me to go to Illinois schools. Right. That's all they know about. They don't really guide you and they don't give a shit about guiding actors. Really, Did you go? So. Oh, so you went to a guidance counselor? Um, not really. No, I mean, I remember I was meeting. High. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, was I, I completely fucked up in high school until my last yeah. year when, when I panicked and I realized my parents have enough money to send me to college. I need to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. So I, I sort of mustered up some sort of uh, straight A thing the last year. And then we scrambled to get me into a, a moron school. Oh, I knew. Well, I knew I was, you know, I'm an actor. You know, I knew that. And. And Did you I do it in like, high school? So like, fuck academics, fuck these people. You know, I'll educate myself. These fucking teachers. What? Oh, you're gonna tell me what? What? Uh, what I would. I like what? wouldn't read the Scarlet Letter, but then I would get in an argument with the teacher about it. Oh, really? <laughs> I thought you were gonna say you're gonna tell me what math is and why that's important. <laughs> oh yeah, you well, that too. Oh, yeah, I had okay. no interest in that. Chemistry. I got. Ugh. No, couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Just couldn't wrap my brain around it. I know. So did you? Did so you almost boring. flunk out? I. I didn't f- almost flunk out, but I definitely started doing pretty badly at one point. I mean, I was stoned all day. Really? Every day. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Unbelievably high. That's a that's a that's leave good during to hear. lunch hour and and just a lot of times would just wake and bake, go to school. So you had some friends that were just stoners? Oh, I hung out with I, – I mean, I was – I hung out like my last couple years of high school just total criminals. Really? Total fucking drug dealers, <laughs> all kicked out of school. Your parents you know? must have been thrilled. Good oh, they Jewish were, boy. They were really happy. Were no, they... up, in, up until like those last couple of years, I was a pretty good boy for the most part. Yeah, you seem like just... to me, I can't picture you. I mean, I can because I'm the same way. Like, you know, you got to, you know, because, uh, and, and I don't want to lean too heavy on the Jewish thing, but right. Jewish families. A nice are... little mensch. Yeah, you're a mensch. No, were... they, they did. A, I mean, my parents. They did a good job, you know. I mean, of course, making you feel guilty for doing things. Yeah, that's a, that's the Jewish form of discipline. It's like there's no discipline, but for some reason you feel shame when, when like. And, but it's oh, actually, I would tell my mother all the time whenever I did anything bad. What, what, the first time I did acid, I told my mother I did acid. You did? Oh, I couldn't handle like keeping it in my brain and keeping it from her. And well, how'd she respond? Well, they were hippies, so so they, oh, so you had that sort of like look yeah, but they weren't like I'm into you doing drugs now. No, no, but they but, were they they get it and to a certain degree. 
but they, did they turn on their hippie past or did they remain sort of faithful to half it? Half and half. It but depended so, on the day. So you're saying that you had an open environment. It wasn't like, don't do this. It was like, if you do it, you know, and you need help, you know, always call us. It wasn't quite that either. It wasn't like, I'm going to throw you out of the house. And it wasn't like, hey, let's talk about what you experienced during your trip. It was <laughs> like, all right, well, don't do that. Don't do that. It'll mess up your brain. You know, our friend. Right, right. The one friend. He yeah. was a very smart kid. He started calling people up as a computer. You know, we'd say, how was your day? And he'd say, uh, does not compute. You don't want to end up like that guy. You know? The one guy. The one guy. There's always the one guy. Sure, sure. It's like, well, maybe that guy was just fucking insane. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know? Yeah, they, my, and acid tipped it off. Right. My family had the genius that went bad. You know, yeah. like Brent, his, like, he was in Mensa. And then he ended up making eggs. Yeah. That's what he did. He made eggs and he was working on a book. Yeah. He was in Mensa. <laughs> well, maybe he couldn't handle you guys bothering him all the time. What's the genius doing? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's Horrible. interesting though. So did so, you so that the, the last two years of high school were you like, fuck you, mom and dad? I was a little bit like that. I yeah. was like, I'm not about this, all right? <laughs> all of my fucking heroes did drugs, you know? <laughs> I want to be like them. Don't tell me, but you know, because I was yeah. I, I We have a lot in common. Yeah. Who are those heroes? The we, musical hero, uh, whoever well, they were, Lenny Bruce and Eric Bogosian, I was really into in high school. I mean, early heroes, you know, it was the Marx Brothers and Mel Brooks. Oh yeah, yeah. But when the Chaplin drugs came, then, but then you know, pretty much as soon as I got into those guys, I got into the original cast of SNL. I mean, I wore out that uh, Best of John Belushi tape. I yeah, I mean, I just watched it over and over and over again like and uh and he was like a he was a, a a drug monster yeah and he was a drug monster and i and you know and he's from chicago and it was right. just like oh i want to be him yeah I yeah be yeah him. i want it just seems so romantic so did you and, have any uh, of those moments when you're hanging out with your drug dealer friends where you're like oh, i'm in over my head oh definitely <laughs> no it definitely the the romance a lot of the time was just like left the window it was just replaced by anxiety but i was like constantly trying to convince myself that i was cool too yeah, but i'm, I'm a, not cool no there's that cool there's that all. moment where you realize like i'm gonna be that guy and then like some somewhere a line blurs and you're like i'm on the other side of this equation yeah and i'm not sure that i want to be in this area i don't know i'm not sure how much control i have over the situation i went on dead tour i went on the last dead oh tour my god you ever. really you went all out i went on a fucking blue school bus on dead tour we were dead with like a hippie family <laughs> that i was hanging out with all the time where'd you find them they were like in the suburb i like you know somebody knew them that i was hanging out with and then i started going to their house every day after school getting high you know like talking with their kids and shit they had yeah. a goat it was really strange they had a goat and it's like the, in the suburb of chicago yeah we like highland park yeah it was very weird. They had a goat. Yeah, they had a goat. Did you just sit around and laugh at the goat or what? Uh, I would I would I was amazed by the goat. <laughs> of course. I wanted the goat. I was like, this is great. Having a goat? That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did you but, go, did you bring that 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 resentment home where you're like you know they got a goat how come we don't have a goat mom well the, I will say this I you know my mother always knew that I was high when I came home like she I could never get it past her and she would get very pissed off about that my family had that one breakdown where I was hanging out with a kid who had hippie parents and yeah. we were smoking pot and and like there was that one meltdown on a family vacation where I told my parents like you know why can't you be more like Eric's parents and then there was that sort of like why don't you go fucking live with Eric then. Yeah, you know, just this horrible confrontation in a hotel room. Oh yeah, where all of us ended up crying on vacation. I'm like, no, I like you guys. I'm sorry. Yeah, I remember one time I like didn't drive my sister to basketball practice because you're too high. Like that. I was too high. I forgot. I was actually I think like buying weed probably. And yeah. 
a nearby suburb, and I got back. She's like, you didn't bring my my basketball practice. And me and my sister had a pretty – we're cooler now, but we had a pretty volatile relationship when we yeah. were younger. And I was just like, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> like pulling out knives like, stab me, come on, stab me. Stab me, you fucking bitch. I'm like, I'm out of here, I'm out of here. And I got in my car and I fucking backed up through the garage door. <laughs> That was not a good day. That's that a- was not something that could be hidden from the peas when they got home. Uh-huh. They were not happy with me. Yeah, that's a that's a good one though. Yeah, you, you took a knife out to have her stab. Oh, you. we were always taking out knives and pencils. Really, we never did anything. But, but we I like, like the yeah. idea that it wasn't to assault, but it was to offer it to somebody to assault you. Yeah. That that's so revealing about somebody's sense of yeah. self. Here's the knife. <laughs> Cut me. Cut me. I'm an asshole. Yeah. And then oh, the drama of like I'm get, I'm out of here. Yeah. So, that is March Brothers. You were you were very honest to your heroes. Just I was. threw that thing right in reverse and plowed it into the house. I know. That's what it's all about. Slapstick, baby. That, I mean, that's how they they were deep because they they embodied life's chaos. Yep. I think you that's know? true. It, they were pretty balanced. I think I got a book by a Harpo's kid. His son wrote a book. I don't know where it is. I didn't I didn't uh didn't follow up with that. All right, so here you yeah. are fucked up. How'd you make it into college? I I, I auditioned. And they liked, you know, I still, I, I didn't you let didn't anything do any theater fuck in high up school, my, oh no, I did a lot of theater in high school. Oh, you yeah. did? Yeah, but I think though, at a certain point, the theater department there thought I was like a bad influence and a drug addict and stuff like that. So they would only cast me in things that absolutely nobody else could be cast in, you know, oh, I, like, I would do the, the best. Yeah, right. Yeah. So what, so, it was just pot though, no booze? Drugs, um, it was mostly weed. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. mostly weed. That's I did good. not get into booze until college, really. Yeah, well, you have to then. That's yeah, a, that's the transition. Well, yeah, you, you have to keep adding things as oh, you yeah. get older, and then hopefully, and then <laughs> you know, a conservatory. Off. You know, you're you have a lot of shit that you start facing. You know, sure, you start man. doing Alexander technique and Digging all the deep. fucking. Yeah, well, all that body tension goes right to your brain and starts presenting itself in the form of horrible depression. You know, you really? have to numb that out. Yeah. I got. I will get into really that. So, wait, when you were in high school, like, is that where the musicals? Did you do musicals? I'm always fascinated with people that did musicals in high school. Um, I was not in the musical. Okay, you know, um, it wasn't really until do- college that I got more into musicals, and I wouldn't say that I'm like a fully musical guy, but I do love, I do love musicals. Like, yeah. great musicals, yeah. are fantastic. What's your favorite ones? I mean, I'd say, well, one of the best films ever made is Singing in the Rain. I mean, that's just yeah. an do incredible do, do do, piece uh, of art. Did you, well, okay, we're going to have to get to college in a minute. But So what plays did you do in high school where they needed the heavy? I did M- Midsummer Night's Dream was my, my crowning achievement <laughs> in high school. I played bottom. Yeah. I brought the house down. And then at the Midsummer Night's Dream cast party, yeah. first of all, a lot of weed smokers in the cast. Okay. A yeah. lot of weed smokers, but they were younger than me. I was a senior. That's a lot to wrap your head around, Shakespeare, and when you're high. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. Well, I wouldn't be high when I performed. Right. I always, right. I always kept the acting, you know, clean. Yeah. But, uh, it was just everything else. Cause, well, because the acting was enjoyable. So what happened at the else cast party? Um, so the cast party, <laughs> fucking idiot who had the house. Yeah. He leads us into like the uh, the water tank room, you know, the, like where the where the gas heater is and stuff in the basement, not knowing that there's a vent in there that leads throughout the whole house. Right. So we were like smoking bong, taking bong hits and yeah. his thing, and then his parents were home. 
and went right into the room, and then it all got blamed on me. Oh, you were the fall guy? Yeah, and I'm not a rat. I'm not going to say it was somebody else. Good for you, you, man. I took the Yeah, uh, you took the I took the fall. Took the rap? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, good for you. Yeah, and then uh, people started thinking that I was a a drug addict. What did you use for your audition for for North Carolina School of the Arts? I did a monologue from Pasta, this play. Uh I had taken some summer program uh, at Steppenwolf. And, uh, really? Yeah. Like, who were the teachers? Anybody we would know? Martha Levy uh-huh. was uh, one of the teachers. I, I mean, she's not she's not famous, but I saw her. I remember seeing her in a play with Estelle Parsons. She was also in the play who uh, who was Roseanne's mother uh-huh. on Roseanne. Uh-huh. And like, and the thing about Roseanne is like, she so she really did a great casting job yeah. because those were all like intense, legendary theater actors. Like, studied with Strasberg and stuff like that. Was I mean, Goodman a Chicago guy? I think so. I, I don't, don't really know, totally know. I mean, you know, I'll, he's a hero. Great. He's yeah, great actor. He's amazing. But but, uh, uh, but Steppenwolf, I mean, they're known for like, you know, pushing that edge and, you know, yeah. digging so into it was the like darkness. This, this gangster monologue yeah. talking about killing a rat. It's a great monologue. And uh, then I, oh, yeah. I mean, it was also my interview. I gave the most insane interview with them where I said that a spiritual revolution. <laughs> I was not high, I, but I mean, I probably was high the night before, but I was like, oh, a spiritual revolution is coming. You know, we're really all about to evolve. And I really think that theater can be the thing that helps us to evolve. <laughs> it was so full of shit. Such a stupid, idiot, dumb, did hippie you, idiot. Did like, you believe it? A hippie and an actor. What a terrible combination. Yeah, did you believe it? I did. Well, at times, you know, when I wasn't wrapped up in self-loathing, I, I, I thought that. I mean, I, you know, did I really believe it or was I just using that thought as no, an escape? No, no, no. I mean, uh, well, I, I mean, that's that's on you. But I mean, I think so. you weren't I think just I... you weren't consciously bullshitting them with something. No, no. You, I you, really believed that. At so the you time. were in, in, in sort of Im- immersed in the idea of what theater originally meant. Yeah. Which was that, you know, it was a way to uh, to revel in human emotion in a controlled way with uh, with narrative arcs in, on, in a community setting. Yeah. And that it was like a proactive sort of life force in uh, of art. Yeah. And it is. No, it is. It but, is. But it's very expensive and very few people go. Yeah. So, so like, so, you know, what we've lost is. Unfortunately, is that, that's the case right now. Yeah. Hopefully that changes. Well, we, we, you, you sort of lost. There was all the, the sort of ideology of uh, the, the more populous theater in New York. Who was involved with that? I think Strasburg was involved with that. Clifford Odets was involved with it. What was yeah. it called? The People's Theater? I can't the remember. The Group Theater. The Group Theater. Yeah. Uh, and and I, it was all very noble. I, I want to believe that too. And I think that at a time, this was the one form of well, entertainment that, or of art that wasn't a spectacle, but it was meant to sort of uh, reflect back at the yeah, audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, well, that's always been the case probably since any type of performance right. started. That's true. Art and entertainment going head to head and then also meeting. You know? Right, I mean, right. Uh, but you really, you, you got there and you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. fucking, I just yeah. like went off on my thing. You know, I, I found a moment of shithead inspiration and just like went crazy. <laughs> and you did it, man. You yeah. sealed the deal. And then I walked out and they were like, oh, Elliot, Elliot. And I turned around. I was like, are you talking to me? And they were like, oh, oh I'm sorry. We were just talking about how much you look like Elliot Gould. <laughs> Can you come back in for a second? And then we sat down. Yeah. And they're like, "We listen. We don't know who else you're meeting with, but we would love. You know, we we really we really enjoyed your audition yeah. and especially your interview. Yeah. So we would yeah. love you to right. And do you do an L.A. Gould impression? <laughs> I would do. You know, my old days at UCB, I would do Gould, but just be me acting like a total asshole. 
Isn't it you know? interesting that there was that time in the seventies where there were like these, there were several, you know, Jewish leading men. Yeah, but isn't that's kind of like the way it is now though with Rogan and Jonah Hill? Yeah, but I guess that's true. But there yeah. was a period there. But they're comedic leading men. But right. you know, you had Hoffman, you had uh, Ellie Gould, you had James Caan. Yeah. I know. You had uh, maybe that's it. Maybe I was really overstating. No, but it, it. was really charactery guys. I mean, even if you think of, they're not Jewish, but. Nicholson and mm-hmm. De Niro and Pacino—they're not necessarily like model-looking guys. Mm-hmm. If they were playing different roles, you could be like, "Oh, that person's not attractive," but they just are such great actors that they yeah, were and, able to. And the film industry was a lot that. more uh, intimate. Like, so the character actor—you even knew those guys, like Ned Beatty, and there was all those like yeah. character actors in the seventies. There's a lot of them now. I mean, I guess I would, you would call yourself a character actor, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would say that. Yeah. yeah. I think that I, I characterize myself as that. So tell me about this training because, uh, you know, I only took theater classes uh, and yeah. did some uh, non theater school theater, which was always looked down upon. But, like, I went to college with Mike Chiklis from, right. uh, from the, the, the Shield. The Shield, and, yeah. yeah. And uh, I remember seeing him in a Brendan Played Behan. Belushi. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in, in a career, a, a career daunting film. That he almost didn't recover from. I know, but you know. But I remember how seeing him say no to that. Right? No, absolutely. <laughs> I remember seeing him in a Brendan Behan play. You know, as oh, in the graduate, uh, you know, theater thing, and uh, he was great. But uh, I was always sort of fascinated with what people had to go through, and I always wanted to do it. But I was so lost. I, I didn't. I couldn't commit to it. But what is when you say you studied Shakespeare and Alexander and speech, like yeah. Alexander technique? What what the fuck is that? Alexander technique is basically. I mean, he believed that. That our body, the in full on body mind connection, and that in order to release tension, you nearly had to, you merely had to think it gone. Really? And you, you know, how's that working out? Um. Well, I don't do it that much these days, so not very well. I know I probably, a guy who's not uh, even an actor. He does it. Yeah. No, it's really good for you. I mean, it's it's legit. But you it come works. in. Okay, so you come into your undergraduate theater school yeah. with all this baggage. You know, oh, you, you, you smoke I, I was a lot of a weed. Fucking mess. I mean, I mean, the first two years, I was like, I was. A, I mean, I was a mess, and the faculty would bring me into the office and be like, "Do you want to be an actor?" Why? What were you doing? Oh, after every class, I would go up to the. It was so intense for me, and I, I think I had just been in this confident haze, this state of ignorance. And like I'm I the got, dude, I'm the guy. I just did a summer yeah. at Steppenwolf. Did well, you, like, you didn't do any Second City stuff? No, I I took classes in in high school at Second City too, and and also at Steppenwolf in the summer. Program. And also at Sepp, Steppenwolf. So you were yeah. doing like uh, improv a lot. Yeah, I was doing some improv, and I then did. you'd go do the heavy shit at Steppenwolf. Yeah, I mean, and I went to like theater summer camp and shit. I mean, I was always doing right. stuff in some form. Right. But you know, when you're a kid, it's so based on instinct and you know the talents that you have, and you know. I'm sure you know being terrible and everybody mm-hmm. telling you that you're great just oh, yeah. because you're fucking up there. And, but and also you know? you're intense. I mean, if you can hold the stage, a lot of times that's uh, that's almost uh, innate. Yeah, you can't explain that talent necessarily. And I do this thing. I'll do this thing whenever I'm presented with intense information mm-hmm. or something intense. I sometimes will throw away the talents that I already have and the knowledge about myself that I already have. It must be, it's some sort of people-pleasing yeah. thing. And, uh, well, you come off very so, lovable now. I try to, yeah. But I can be an asshole. I'm sure. But I yeah. mean, when I've seen you perform, whether it's comedy and even some of the film stuff, and certainly A Thousand Cats, there's a vulnerability to it that you're willing to be sort of shameless about comedy, which, uh, which uh, 
that just be having that shamelessness has a lot of heart to it. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Yeah. I mean, you know, I feel like that's what what we should do, right? Is mm-hmm. make people connect people with their are the flaws, yeah. you know. No, I think so. Remember. Yeah. But you go with you go the you don't go the angry way or the you know like beat the shit out of yourself on stage way. I the... can, but it's an act somewhat. Right. But I'm also really doing it in a way. You know, it's, it's Well, what do you struggle with? I mean, that 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 never goes away. Oh, I mean, just, you know, I'm I'm not good, I'm ugly, nobody likes me, you know, all the classic stuff, you know, just... Uh, <laughs> you have you a know, list, uh, let's check, daily checklist. Oh my God, yeah. it's terrible. I'm and, a and, fraud. And just, you know, and, and OCD, you know, just like that that control of needing to know what's going to happen in our lives and how we're going to be. <sighs> yeah, because like it's so easy to go negative on that one, isn't it? It's so easy to go negative and so easy to go overly positive on it, too. Oh, yeah, I'd like a little more of that. Yeah. Because uh, with me, that doesn't, I don't go overly positive. I just get cocky. That's what I mean. Cockiness. Yeah. yeah, yeah no, just I mean, be like, I mean, just the, uh, just the illusion that there's some answer and some state of, okay, I'm fine now. It's yeah. like, that's not what life is. Yeah. Life is I know a fucking, you know, just a, a, day a living day. organism unto itself yeah. that is completely insane. Yeah, yeah. It, everything's out of your control. And, you know, if you have a good day, you should make sure you're aware of it while it's happening. I know. It's so hard. How's this day? All right. It is good, oh, good. so far. It's pretty good. But it also has its bullshit to deal with, too. There's always something lingering going on. There's just always something, like, really crazy going on. But there's also, I mean, that's comforting in a way. Yeah. Well, let's go over your credits because you've done a lot of stuff, yeah. and I don't want to like because you're, you're uh, a lot of people might not know you. What was the right. first, what was <laughs> and that that's not a negative thing. Oh no no no! But that's, it's that's true. the uh, the bane of the character. No, actor. oh, I'm just loud. Yeah, exactly. you, you, you know what I mean. Hey, you're that guy. Yeah. <laughs> hey man. Yeah. I loved you for that thing that you were in in a, for four minutes. Yeah, that was <laughs> that awesome. Was so, what was your first four minute thing? Well, my first like, well, my first like real job. <laughs> How, was being how, the face of the New York lottery for for <laughs> that was my first like so you true went, you went to you were in um you were in I North in Carolina but you went to North Carolina you graduated with the theater degree you know you, you did your Shakespeare you did your did Alexander my did you do some fencing and did fence stage sure. combat uh did you know phonetics yeah learning about dialects and, so you only had to take like liberal arts courses as an elective like a history of theater or something I, yeah like you would take those and yeah. you'd fucking blow them off right and you know you'd learn more about the academic program uh, uh, at the time was not i learned more academically from my acting teachers right because they were constantly filling our minds and with was there anybody all these great thinkers and that you went to college with that uh that moved with you to new york or there did you have john uh, daly John okay. Daly yeah, was yeah. there for the first two years. Come on now. Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> Come on now. He's been yeah. here before. Yeah, yeah. He was your guy? You went to he college was, with he him? He was, yeah. Well, only for two years, and then he left after the first two years and went to New York. And uh, Was he the guy that said, you got to come, man? Well, he did. Well, the whole thing is, though, they encourage, at North Carolina, they encourage us all to go to New York because that's where theater was right. and, and is. So what was and, your dream uh, heading to New York that you well, were going to Well, when I was- yeah, I I thought I was going to go and be like a in a, a hugely successful character actor on Broadway. Yeah. You know, just start who, who have Walter Matthau's career, you right. know, or Zero Mostel's career on Broadway. So, uh, so and then I got there and I did two scenes cuz you had to do the whole leagues, the presentation for all the agents and casting and that's, directors. Uh, that's one of the benefits of going to theater school is you got that. 
You got into that? Yeah, yeah. technically. Technically, you got that. But I did like- It was just an audition for casting director? For, for, is that what it is? Yeah, well, it was like the whole class, the whole class that I graduated with doing like two five-minute scenes each. Right. And mine were from Last of the Red Hot Lovers and Angels in America. And in both scenes, I played men in their 50s. You played Roy Cohn. And I, was, I, played, I played Roy Cohn's doctor. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then I played Last of the Red Hot Lovers, this older man who's romancing all these different women. And uh, I got huge laughs, but they were like, well... You'll work when you're 50. You know, that's how it's all these like old battle axe you'll, type of agents. You'll too grow into shit. it. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And so when I was moving out there, John had already gotten involved with UCB. So he's like, you got to check out this place, you know? And I was like, well, well, if I have time, I'm going to be yeah. on Broadway. So I don't know if I'll have time to get on down there. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds cute. That sounds cute. I don't know what and, your kids uh, are up to down there. Yeah. And then I got involved and uh, it was so great. And you got involved. And I with always them. was a writer of material. I mean, even through college and in high school. I mean, in high school, I would do these terrible one-man shows that were like Bogosian s called like The Dark Claw and the American what? Alien. The Dark Claw. Yeah, which was the Dark Claw of frustration. So it was all. It was. It was horrible. <laughs> it was like I was George Washington stoned. You know, yeah. arguing about. You know, complaining he grew pot, about. Right? Yeah, and I, he was frustrated with how laws were being nailed down and the the liberty of the country was being forgotten you know uh-huh. and, and being replaced by bureaucracy how and, long was this and show? uh it was like a half hour okay and uh, the dark claw sigmund freud was like uh just totally misogynist you know yeah. women are cunts yeah you know Oh, so you threw the cunt around a little bit. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I loved throwing the cunt around in high school. Sure. Please, I was a revolutionary. That was, in, that was in high school you did the Dark Claw? Uh, yeah. And uh-huh. then I did American Alien, which was all about alienated Americans. So you Not, had and that was high school, too? killer. Yeah. Your drug dealer. Your, oh, so it you, was all. So in high school, you were confusing to the girls. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God, man. Those Let's, were high school projects. So you hadn't even been sort of tempered by the, the broad scope of theater. I, you were like, these are my heroes, man. I'm oh, going to do this. Oh, don't even. Yeah, I couldn't even. I couldn't even. I didn't even think of myself really as a man until I was 24 years old. What, what did you, where did you perform the Dark Claw? In like the studio theater in the, in the high school. I mean, it was like a good, the, a great theater department there. Right. Like for, it was. So you were like the kid who you wore an overcoat and. I didn't wear an overcoat, but I definitely had. I did spiritually. I did spiritually. Yeah, I was wearing an overcoat. But you were like that. Day, oh, there's Brett. And, you know, he's doing. Yeah. That oh, thing. he's such a brooding artist. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you were. That, oh, and everybody yeah. thought that I was. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Like, I hope he doesn't destroy himself. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. I can't even. Do it. Totally played into my whole thing. I can't. It's so funny because I would never have thought that about you. Because I did that with photography. I was always at the cutting edge of visual arts and uh, yeah, and in high school because I was hanging around by the college campus right. and I had a lot. I knew a lot of artists who were you know in college. So you know, I did this series of photographs that I still have over there involving mannequins and televisions. Yeah, and uh, you know I was cutting edge doing some collage work. You know I did some stuff. Yeah, wrote some poems. Like I was a kid who uh, in poetry class we had an assignment to write poems. I got really into it. My were like you know Ginsbergian, heavy-handed, like in the entire as a sophomore, and the entire class was like, "What?" Like they yeah. never looked at me the same. Oh yeah, I wrote poetry. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. Oh, they I never you can you can completely alienate your entire school with a good one-man show or a couple of good poems. Oh yeah, just read Howl once, and suddenly oh, yeah. we fully understand. Oh yeah, they, the whole it. world yeah. opens up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so I you're already entering college with Claw, the, uh, the the dark Claw under your belt. Yeah, American Alien. Uh, yeah, I had some major works under my belt. What was American Alien? How what was 
just like uh, Americans who are alienated. Yeah, so it's like a drug dealer. Like, oh, so you're doing all the characters? Yeah, serial killer, a cult leader. You did a serial killer and, in high and school and a sexually frustrated teenager. I mean, that was probably the, that, that was, was one, all of it. That was the more. <laughs> Yeah, that, that was the subject. It should have all entire- just been called sexual frustration. <laughs> That's a called. That should have just been my age. I just tried. How to old think- are you? I'm sexually frustrated. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'm trying to uh, picture you as a teenager doing a serial killer because you're all infused with the fact that you, you think you're pulling it off, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I saw this interview with Ted Bundy yeah. where he seemed like a totally normal guy. So right. I was like this chipper guy talking about you know mutilating a uh-huh. college student or something like that. Had you seen so, Bogosian live at that point? I had not because i saw him a few times actually I have once uh sex drugs and rock and roll i saw i saw him workshop yeah. it and then i saw him, oh wow yeah yeah i you know he it's it, but for me as a as a comic there was always part of me because i started doing comedy pretty young i was like 20 or 21 that you know i grew to believe that a lot of performance artists were just frustrated comics that that uh-huh. that there's only a few that could really do something that to me was elevated as theater and, and then again i was being sort of you know i thought I, I think the reason I thought that was like I'd, I'd rarely seen one who wasn't trying to be funny. Yeah, I mean, to his credit, I bet that performance artist label was probably laid upon him. Well, I you think know? he was he there was probably at the time. Just like, I'm a fucking guy doing character monologues. This is what I do. I can't do that in clubs, so I'm going to do it in theaters. No, sure no, and I don't, I don't begrudge anybody it. for yeah. avoiding comedy clubs. But I saw oh, Spalding yeah. Gray do swimming uh, to Cambodia when I was yeah. in college uh, at the Brattle Theater, and that, then that was when I really realized that this is a separate thing. That right. you know that there there's an arc here. There's something literary about it. There's a controlled uh, uh, delivery yeah. that that has to be. You know, you can't do this at a where they're drinking. You know, no, and, no, no. And yeah. I was completely blown away by it. Oh, I saw. Yeah, I saw him do. I forget the name. Monster it in was. a Box. No, it wasn't one of the the. It wasn't either of those shows. It was uh-huh. a later show. Uh-huh. I saw him at the Good, Goodman Theater in Chicago. Uh-huh. Blew my mind. It was yeah. He was uh, fucking unbelievable. Just a guy sitting at a desk who could totally suck you in and make you a part of. And he was a very controlled performer. I mean, he was yeah. you know, he was very deliberate. You know, it was very directed. And uh, you know, sometimes he would sit there with the pages, you know, flipping the pages. But he pretty much knew it. I know, I know. It's such a bummer. Such a bummer. Oh yeah, no doubt, God. no doubt. Because I don't see a lot of people doing that type of work specifically anymore. That and it's also been mocked. I mean, even in the way you're talking about. Your conception as a high school student of a one-person show, like I think Fred Armisen does. Have you seen that brilliant one-person show he does? Like that that mockery of the one-person show where he plays it very straight, and it's just this guy from Jersey, and he's going through the the, the all the actions of a one-person show. I think I saw the. Did they do a sketch from that on SNL? Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, so. it's so funny that he was so yeah. it, it, you know, in tune with it because to me it became. A satire of the idea that anybody at certain points, like that, that frustrated actors who who do the one man show, yeah, they they don't embrace the theatricality of it. They just like I must have a one man show in me, you, you know. There's well, just, they're doing it because they're like I need to do a one man show. I should right. do one. I'd be great. Right. They're not like saying like Oh, what is the one man show really about? Right. They're right. not really going into that. It stays at this ego place. That's, that's right. That's right. So it's shit. <laughs> it's like total shit. Which is, I think, the place that we all start at because that's there's a I, reason why we're I doing did one. this. I did. I yeah. did a couple. I did the Jerusalem. Oh, I syndrome. know. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that I I met you. You would not remember this. You were but around I think the Luna. first time I met you, and it was it was in that that theater though. You were doing it in that theater that the was. Beth? Um, no, oh, it was Kirsten upstairs. Ames? Yeah, that Kirsten Ames. Not a forty-five. Not a forty-five. Yeah, I did a play there, this like little play there, and I think we were going on after you. Yeah, 
Can you believe that that's what we like used to do? That's we used I, to play places like well, that. Like, it's like, amazing. Like thinking back on it, there's um, I'm happy I have that. I'm happy that I have that in my history. That you know, because that was you know they were coming out of her and the what was his name the the other guy that was in it with her the dude from Chicago yeah John was it John I can't remember his name but you know they were like we're we're doing this organic kind of theater thing we you know yeah. we've got a space and and we want to encourage performers and like I don't I guess I'm sure it still exists but I I look back on that like. That was a good time. Well, it was an, an interesting time. Like it was, yeah. you really felt like you're developing something in a real place under the radar, and this is the way you do it. There was no other way to do it. Yeah, I, mean, I was like rambling on for two and a half hours some nights, you know, trying to put that show into into context and trying to get it wrangled because I really wanted to do a one man show. Yeah, and and well, I don't, that was a very successful one man show. It did okay. I mean, we ran for six weeks off Broadway, and, and people and I, loved it. People, yeah, yeah, people liked it. Uh, I, it didn't tour like because I think in my mind it was like I'm doing a, you know a, a very personal but funny piece and yeah. we should tour with it. But I, I I did it a few Jewish community centers and that was right. <laughs> I performed One Thousand Cats at uh, the Holocaust Museum. No, you did not. I did. Uh, it's like part of this Jewish night, like Jewish entertainers night. Oh my god! I t- oh, I bombed so hard. What was and the I just audience walked off the stage? So you had all walk- these Jews who were like what. What's this fucking guy doing up here, like going insane? But they were trying to showcase comedians, or I mean, was it old? It Jews? Was like, I, mean, I was like the Jewish up and coming Jewish comedian. Yeah, they wanted Kristen Schaal, but they realized she's not Jewish. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll definitely be as as. Well, actually, Kristen totally makes people feel uncomfortable at times too. Yeah, very creative. Yeah, envelope pushing. Uh, well, her monologues are great. Comedian. Oh, like, she's the best. Well, there's yeah. there's that group of I you meant guys. I that in fully no, as a no, compliment. I know. But there's that group of you guys that you know were not stand-ups, but you were doing something. You know, and, and it wasn't like sketch comedy. But yeah. you know, you you were theatrically trained to, to create these these pieces. That I was always pretty impressed with that. Yeah, because Shaw, when you see her do a piece, when I think she did something with cupcakes in my vague recollection. Yeah, or, yeah. And uh, and it was I like. You know, thought out pieces that that can't be called sketch comedy, but are really sort of uh, performance art pieces. That's what I, you know. Now I, when I do shows, it's a little, a little looser, maybe, and it's kind of one. I mean, I guess I'm nowadays more assimilating a nervous breakdown on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, making the crowd feel like, oh, he's with us. Oh, he's is he going to hurt us? Oh no, he's cool again. <laughs> you know. But what was the play uh, you were doing in Not a Forty Five? That's when I met you. Yeah. And didn't we do um, Luna? Didn't you were you around for Luna? A I did bit? like li- I I would come into Luna. I was always incredibly freaked out of my mind, you know, because I looked up so much to all you guys and yeah. I was just like, "Oh god." And I, and I wasn't really doing stand-up type places yet. You know, I was mostly just doing improv and sketch at UCB at that time. And you were involved with Human Giant? I no no I mean I me and John went in for a day to write for them and uh-huh. then uh, I was in a sketch and then I did their twenty four hour marathon right. that they did uh, but other than that I wasn't involved you, at all with Human Giant. What were some of the first sort of uh, breaks for you professionally? In, yeah, well uh, financially was the lotto. Well, and the, then, you were the guy, the lotto. I guy. was a little like How little many, guy. It was a regional campaign. Yeah, it was like David Lynch and the Waynes Brothers came up with a campaign. They did? No, but it was like that because <laughs> I looked so weird. how many so spots weird. did you do? I did like four and it totally saved my ass. You I were was in a, broke. in a suit, right? Yeah, and, and they shrunk goofy. me down right, and right, I right. had like a shaved head and Coke bottle glasses. I was everywhere. I was oh, everywhere. Oh, wait, that was you? That was me. I'm a little bit of luck. The weird little man? The weird little man. That was you? That was me. Oh, my God. Yeah. Horrible, right? No, I, would be like, I always wondered who I'd that be guy was. Like the L train, 
depressed out of my mind, I look at one of the posters, I'd be With like, your face? I'm going to fucking kill myself. <laughs> but what do you mean? It was a gift. No one could ever no, recognize you. No, it was totally you. great. No, but I don't, I didn't know that was you, but yeah. I know those commercials. No, and I did the, be- the best I could. I mean, I'm not ashamed of it, really. God, it's but, a, it's uh, a, it's the best of both worlds. You do a commercial campaign, you make a few bucks, and no yeah. one could ever fucking know it was yeah. you. And it was, re- it was only on the East Coast, and it was, it was fine. So it was, yeah, and I needed that money so bad, so. That's hilarious I, that that was you. <laughs> yeah. It's a good memory, and I met my girlfriend on the set of the second in round the of commercials. Yeah, she dressed me <laughs> in the outfit. Oh, it, it, she wasn't attracted to the man. In the, she was not attracted to me at first. I was that not guy looks so much smaller than you. Um, yeah, no, they shrunk me down and enlarged my head a little bit, which is surprising to me because I have a gigantic head. I can't but, believe uh, that was you. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a weird thing. But I guess my big thing was 1,000 Cats. I mean, was, you know... Uh, they were starting to put together Funnier Die was starting to put together uh their HBO show. Right. And they brought in Jason Walner, who guy behind Human Giant yeah. and Eagleheart. Yeah. But Eagleheart hadn't started yet. But uh they were like, Yeah, we want you to do something. What what's the kind of stuff that you want to do? And he was like, Well, one of the things I want to do is this musical that Brett Gelman does called One Thousand Cats. So then Andrew Steele, who's the head of FOD, came in, saw it. He was like, I love this. And then uh, and then McKay came and then greenlit it. So that was my first thing that I did where I was like, okay, this is real. It's on television. It's, you know, a, a true, true expression of what I do. Right. And, and it, it was it was a big acting job, too, <laughs> you know, even though. And you ran the live was, show I a couple of times, right? Oh, the live show I had been doing on and off for eight years. <laughs> For eight years, I mean, I took like a four-year break, and the plot is basically it's 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 like it's I like, mean, it's this heavy-handed thing about human human evo- metaphor for human evolution. I'm in a black unitard and cat ears, and I had the, I have this whole backstory of the guy. So, like, what the guy's going through, I'm not saying, right. but I'm trying to reveal, right? And that I feel is why it's a good. Why I'm proud of it. Because, and you did it with cats. Yeah. And and I'm and and that's why I'm proud of it, that there's something going on with that character and it wasn't just some winky, stupid shit. Because if I would have done that not in earnest and not right. with well, that's, like, I this think, is a person, it would have been a horrible. Well, I think that's why that thing is so compelling, is that it's not just some sort of shallow riff on musical comedy. Oh, thanks. Yeah. No, and it's it, a guy having a nervous breakdown. Yeah. Who yeah. thinks that like he's helping the world by doing that, and he's not. It's a true tragedy. And this is his life's work. This is his life's work. It's his opus. It's so sad. It's so awful. So sad. But that led to the parts in uh, the other guys, and, yeah, uh, and got, got you in with the McKay crew, and yeah, and they were. I mean, they've been so great. Uh, you're. This is what the second season of Eagleheart or third? Yeah, I've been lucky to work with people like like Will Ferrell and Chris Elliott and larry david i mean just like heroes of mine it's you amazing right? your enthusiasm. You your how many heroes. how many episodes of curve did you just do? one just one but i mean it was and was it just a general casting or was he were you requested i, th- I think i was requested uh-huh. i think i think you know uh i don't know who it was i think it was garland had a big part in that and then maybe jeff schaefer who is one of the main writers uh, and eagle hearts on adult on swim and uh right yeah eagle hearts on adult swim and that was all jason that was Walner because Walner's the. Why don't you give he's not the, the creator? What's the, what's, he, what's, the, what's the premise? I would say that uh, Eagleheart is Walker Texas Ranger meets Get a Life. 
If you did Walker, Texas Ranger, and you took out Chuck Norris and you put in Chris Elliott, <laughs> that's what you have. But it's also a completely surrealist, insane uh, sto- you know, story-driven what, what, show as well. What do you well. think is uh, – how do you make something like that? Because I'm a guy – like I need you know uh, to be grounded in somewhat human events and emotions yeah. now. And I know that you're pretty competent at – very confident at doing surreal things and, and doing absurd things. Yeah. But w- what determines the success of something that doesn't necessarily make sense? Well, to me, I feel like, you know, no matter how surreal something is, mm-hmm. you have to look at humanly what's going on, you know, and, and there's different styles, you know, th- certain things are bigger and less naturalistic, but that's just style. That's just the, that's so just you're saying the, you got to play it straight. I, yeah, or play it straight and definitely think about, for me, you know, and I, I, a lot of people would disagree with me on this, but how I approach it is, you know, what's going on with this character. No matter how stupid or insane this character is, what's what does what do they want? So you have what to infuse they... a life into it. Yeah, yeah, I think, or else it's going to be just hokey, dumb bullshit, you know, and I think that that's a problem with a lot of bad surrealist or absurdist stuff is that, you know, you see the difference. Yeah, because you feel a, the difference. It's a fine line between something that is realized and works that that may not make sense. Yeah, and something that you know people are just sort of like, hey, anybody can do this. Yeah, because it, there is a combination of talent and sort of depth to the performance or, or direction. But it, it, it is a fine line. It's because a very it's fine like because there's real shit with that stuff and a lot of it, and then there's stuff that's sort of like, how the fuck does that even work? I know. And it's just by, by virtue of the comedic performances, I guess. Yeah, I think that you that people infuse it and I mean, you know, Chris does a different thing with that, you yeah. know, but uh he's also like there's just some innately amazing comedic performers performers. I mean, it's nothing yeah. you can't explain it necessarily. Yeah, well, he, you know, he narrowed a, was at this panel with him. We were doing an Eagle Heart panel and he you know, they asked him what an, what an influence his father was on him. He was like, yeah, my father always, you know, made fun of show business. And that's what uh, I've been about, too. And I'm like, oh, that's so amazing. All those roles and all the things that he's done, it's all making fun of show business. So it's like, that's brilliant. So he's basically, you know, whatever character he's playing, he is playing that one character that's just like, can you believe that you're watching this right now? (laughs) You know, and that's just why I, one of the reasons he's so brilliant. He's also, I mean, you know, he's the funniest. He's very funny. The funniest. Yeah. So let's talk about this WTF musical that we had. uh, Yeah, man. I I mean, did you come up with that? Did you do something on your podcast? Did you interview yourself or my assistant was saying that you did sort of a tribute to podcasts? Oh, when I interviewed myself? Yeah. That (laughs) Well, your podcast is like, uh, it's like a, uh, it's like a concept album, right? Yeah. I mean, well, that's why I've had to like slow it down a little bit i'm like jesus christ i'm not getting anything else done i'm doing a fucking comedy album every week what the fuck is wrong with me can't do anything else if so I what is that. your schedule but, uh, now monthly oh uh, yeah i think so i think it's going to be more monthly and just you know when i can when i can do it but uh uh no i mean i i saw something that i thought was was very funny where uh, somebody interviewed themselves. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I thought, I was like, that is so funny. What was and that? And then uh, it, was, it was Donald Glover interviewing oh. himself on Rollingstone.com. And okay. so I thought that was really funny. And I, and I thought the interview was funny. I just was like, okay, well, put that through my perspective. Right, make it. My, you know, because I'm so often playing an asshole on the show. Right. And it's, you know, that's just my own narcissism and yeah. my own, you know, 
putting out you, you know, go commenting on my own flaws yeah yeah to do psychoanalysis <laughs> straight up psychoanalysis i do over the phone over the phone because you my got a new guy york in new york guy. yeah and i was like you know the guy already knows me and i feel like it's worth it i mean i don't look at him anyway when i'm there so it's so fine. what weekly yeah you do a session weekly over the phone like I i've do. done phone sessions and, yeah. I, and and at some point i'm like this is fucking ridiculous yeah. I, I mean, mean, what do you get back from it? I mean, like, do you find that you, it gets you, like, his energy pulls you into a certain groove where you speak in a different, uh, from a different place? Or? I think I've gotten better at free associating and really just, oh, he like, does letting whatever, I mean, he doesn't say do that and he doesn't lead me through any type of method, but, you know, we know, we know what that is. Well, what's the feedback and, then? Uh, how do you, pro, how do you know that you're making progress? Well, I said, I go, well, what, it, what does psychoanal- uh, psychoanalysis actually do? And he, he said, I mean, it, in free associating and, and, and finding, you know, all of the subconscious meanings and a lot of the things that you do, you know, certain synapses that are not connected in your brain start to connect. Hmm. And, uh, I mean, I really think that any type of, great thing that we do for ourselves is an act of faith to a certain degree well i think that i think i'm finding that's true in the sense of like even speaking freely on stage or on a microphone or when i talk by myself that yeah my my clarity has changed and and my follow-through with ideas when i'm in conversation has changed yeah and i think that's probably true and i think that everything around us is probably annihilating uh that those synaptic connections because everything is so immediate yeah been designed no, that way. I also, yeah, I, I, I think that for me, there's always a part of me that is trying to check out of life, <laughs> yeah. you know, and just be on the fucking couch watching TV, you yeah. know, yeah, and just like this is all, you know, basically death, right. you know, living like I'm dead, right, and then. You know, we do these things to enter into life, and when we do it, we feel like, oh, why am I not doing this all the time? This is so rewarding. And exhausting. And it's exhausting. Oh, that's why. (laughs) Oh, let me go back to the couch. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Wow, that was great. I'm drained. (laughs) I can only take so much of this good thing. Yeah, but I feel like we get more of a stamina the more that we do it. And, no, but I it think, is a muscle. No, I think that's true. It's yeah. a muscle to get out of your head. <laughs> yeah. It's well, weird. Actually living in our lives is a muscle. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Strange. You, you would think it wouldn't be, but I yeah. think you're if you're you're wired a certain way, it definitely is. Self honest, you know, honesty. Yeah. yeah. But you don't really know who it's it's weird because even as I do this and when I talk to people in here, you, you, it's hard to know who you are uh, if you're just sitting around thinking about it. Yeah. It's not until you, you sort of surprise yourself in interaction or you do a nice thing for somebody or you, you know, you're there for somebody, you listen to somebody that you're like, oh, I'm a person functioning as a person. You're not just sitting there going, am I a good person? I don't know if I'm a good person. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's crazy. I mean, and I think we're also, yeah, we also can be bad people too. Yeah. And we have that in us, you know, yeah. that's why. That's why we have to uh, get out. Yeah. And hopefully not kill people. Right. We have to challenge our bad self. We have to, to challenge behave. our bad self. We have to recognize that it's there yeah. and say, okay, yeah. you're there. Because yeah. then we wouldn't, you know, yeah. we watch like a character like Tony Soprano. We love him. You're right. Why? That's because we've got that in us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but thankfully, usually we're satisfied just watching it. Yeah. That's, that's a good part of TV. Hey, I'm not a hoarder. I'm not killing people. <laughs> yeah. yeah a, lot, a lot of things are resolved. That's by a yourself. good thing. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good thing. <laughs> the yeah. hoarding thing I'm on the I'm on the fence with, though, if I look around here. Yeah. So how are we going to do this musical? What, what's the plan? I think that, well, I've thought that we're both of us play you. Okay. And, and you're interviewing 
people, but then you go off into yourself and then maybe it, it cuts to like parts of your past and yeah. things that you've gone through in your past and scenes oh, wow. okay. that you've had. So yeah. it keeps coming in and out of the stu- of the cat ranch. Okay. And then I'm like your I'm like your inner self. Oh good. Okay. Who you keep battling. <laughs> okay, good, good. And, and then, then is there a big a number at the end? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, a lot of people. It's gotta be a big number. Yeah, it'll have the classic structure, but also be this like, like inside your mind, right? And yeah. the, at the end, it's just like ten or fifteen people dressed like me. Yeah, singing. Yeah, and I feel like we could get like our friends, you know, some good friends to play some of the interviewed parts and do, have some fun with it. How, fun. What is the classic structure of a musical? Classic story structure. Oh, okay. I think which I'm. I don't even know. It might not even have classic structure. No, no, no. Not, like there, there's a, a conflict and guy. then there's a resolution. Yeah, but there'll probably be like several compl- conflicts and right. it'll be very stream of consciousness and consciousy. Right. Consciousness. Can we write the music together? Uh, yeah, I'd yeah. love to. What do you Let's play? Let's do it. You play I don't play anything, but oh, I can gonna... come up with melody. Okay. And then I got a music guy who's excited to do it. Yeah, it would give really us full happen. instrumentation. Eddie Pepitone's got to have a part, right? Eddie Pepitone's got to have a part. <laughs> We get Malali to do some numbers. That'd be great. <laughs> That'd be funny. Yeah, Megan's always down. I heard to her sing? interview with yeah. Nick. That was great. She's like they're a great. real. Uh, she's a real theater person. Yeah, they're awesome. Yeah, that was a really inspiring. Uh, yeah, and just interview. on a relationship basis, it was inspiring. I know, I know. And you're work working with, with your girlfriend now. I work with my girlfriend. Yeah. How's that going? It's great. Okay. I mean, we're both fiery, yeah. volatile people. Yeah. So the fights that we're going to have creatively. They're, they mirror the fights that we have in our in our home life, which yeah. aren't really fights. They're right. just how we communicate. Oh, as long as it doesn't get uh, too nasty, it's no, good. No, it never gets nasty. It's just uh, it's just. Well, that's a difference from me and you. Ethnic. I guess. <laughs> it's just <laughs> ethnic. Why is it ethnic? Because I'm Jewish, and then she's Jewish and black and Panamanian. Oh, I've yeah. met her before. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, so you've met a Jewish black girl? I did. I did. It's see, like you know, you like you, you've really created a conundrum for your parents. They, <laughs> I know, but they love her. Of course, they love her. You of know, course. they were hippie. They're not bigots no. at all. Uh, so it was. Do you never, encounter never any an bigotry anywhere? Um, I'm sure. I tried to stay away from it. I usually put on a good killer's face oh, good. whenever I'm out in public, in case anybody's. You know, one guy, this fucking asshole, backstage oh, one really? time asked one of us? me if that was my thing. Yeah. Oh, that's fucking com- horrible comedian. He was like, so is that like a fetish? I mean, is that your, like your thing, black chicks? And I was just like, oh, so you're asking, you, I'm glad that you just uh, reduced my two and a half year serious relationship to a fucking fetish, man. Yeah, or two, like, but that's, uh, that's something to do with like the way, that that is an objectification thing. It's also a porn thing. You know, like everybody that, sees it that oh, way. Oh, it wasn't yeah. racist as much as it was misogynist. Right, right. It was just yeah. like women are there for us to fuck. Yeah. You know, and it yeah. was just like, no, that's not uh, that's, that's not a, what I'm about, that's man. Only, that's only half of it. Yeah, that's only, well, 75%. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that's no, no, just disgusting. And unfortunately, that's how it's a, cla- a lot it's also, of comedians, a lot of yeah, men, right. yeah, thanks. not just comedians. Yeah, Asian thing. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I have uh, the uh, my, my heart feels this way thing. Yeah, <laughs> my, my, I want to have a good life yeah, and actually yeah. have a real relationship with someone. Thing, thing. Yeah. yeah, that thing. You know, yeah. help somebody help me. You know, I mean, she's. Uh, Did you fucking get pissed at him? Oh, I got so pissed at him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I got him. I got him kicked off the fucking show. Really? Yeah, I got all mafia on his ass. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> and I told the the show the person who had the show. Is he still among us? 
Oh, uh, he probably is. I don't mm. give a shit. All right. I'm not going to say his name, but yeah. if you're listening to this and you remember saying, stay the fuck away from me, asshole. <laughs> nice. And I think that's a fine way to close. Yeah. <laughs> Greg Gellman, thanks for hanging out, buddy. Thank you, man. It's a pleasure being here. That's it. That's our show. The lovely Brett Gelman. I do love that guy. He makes me very happy. He's one of those guys you sit across from and it makes you happy. Look, as I said before, this Saturday, August 11th, I'm at Wise Guys for two shows in Utah. I'm at the Blue Bridge Comedy Festival. Uh, That is uh, August 17th and 18th. Correct? Yes, it is. It's Victoria Esquimalt. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Looking forward to going up there. I don't think I've ever... I have no idea what it's like up there. Looking forward to that. Go to WTFPod.com for everything that you may need. Going to get some new merch up there soon. Got some new posters. You can get the Coop shirt. You can get kick in a few shekels. Get that package. You can uh, get on that mailing list. You can check what who has been on. You can get the app. You can dr- leave a comment. Man, there's no end to it. Is everything all right? Are we good? Seriously. Boomy. Hey, buddy. What's up, Boomer? What's up, buddy? Give us another meow. Boomy. Come here. Boomy. That was solid. Huh, Boomy? That was solid. Come here, buddy. Ooh. What's up, buddy? I can't even hope for more than that. Did you hear that? I think he's finally taken to the mic. Good job, Boomy. All right, now I'll let you eat. No one can know that I starved you in order to get those.